Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. It's Friday, July 29th. I'm Peggy Lowe, filling in for Nomino Giadine. Coming up, Republican Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler is vacating her fourth district seat in Missouri to run for the U.S. Senate. And seven, yes, seven candidates are competing to replace her. Not surprisingly, abortion has emerged as a big topic on the campaign trail. I absolutely emphatically support a bill that will penalize, especially the abortion provider, the one who's carrying out the egregious act. And antique toys look pretty cool, but could be coated in lead paint. The latest from our ongoing investigation into lead levels in children. But first, some headlines. Kansas voters are casting nearly three times as many advanced ballots in this year's primary election than they did in 2018. About 163,000 advanced ballots have been counted as of yesterday. At this point in the last midterm primary election, just 56,000 had been cast. Secretary of State Scott Schwab says the proposed state constitutional amendment on abortion rights is driving the increase. And after the change of the, the, the standard of Roe v. Wade and handing authority back to the states, it, it makes people engage more. Things like that always do. The amendment would change the Kansas Constitution to say it does not guarantee a right to abortion. In other Kansas election news, churches that serve as polling places will have to remove signs supporting or opposing the constitutional amendment on abortion by next week's primary election. KCUR's Savannah Hawley has more. To remain tax-exempt, religious organizations are not allowed to campaign for individual candidates. However, they can campaign on issue-based ballot questions, like the so-called Value Them Both Amendment, which would remove the right to an abortion from the Kansas Constitution. But Kansas law bars electioneering within 200 feet of the door or within the building during election hours. So those signs will have to come down by Election Day, says Johnson County Election Commissioner Fred Sherman. Of 146 polling places in Johnson County, 92 are churches. Many Catholic churches have signs supporting the amendment, which would undo a 2019 Kansas Supreme Court decision finding a right to an abortion in the state constitution. Wyandotte County has completed its public testing of voting machines, as required by Kansas law. Election officials ran hundreds of sample ballots through optical scanners yesterday, then visually compared and confirmed the results matched up. Election Commissioner Michael Abbott says he's never had a problem with the accuracy of the machines, and that remained true for the test. It's usually human error, right? So if humans are counting, that's usually where the errors are. The machines, I've never had a mistake on a machine. That testing is open to the public, but despite recent efforts challenging voting machine technology and election results, Abbott says only one citizen has come to observe in the six years he's been at the commission. No fewer than seven Republicans are seeking the nomination for Missouri's 4th Congressional District. Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler is leaving the office because she's running for the U.S. Senate. There are few policy differences among them, so they're doing what they can to stand out in a crowded field. KCUR's Savannah Hawley has more. The top four fundraisers are Taylor Burks, a former Boone County clerk, Mark Alford, a former Kansas City news anchor, Kalina Bruce, a farmer and CPA, and Rick Bratton, a state senator. All four support former President Trump and his America First agenda. 
Likewise, they all share similar policy stances on abortion, education, and immigration. They differ only in the details. Bratton supports banning abortions with no exceptions. During a candidate debate two weeks ago, he said he wanted to make it a federal crime for doctors to provide abortions to a person seeking one from another state. I absolutely emphatically support a bill that will penalize, especially the abortion provider, the one who's carrying out the egregious act. While both Burks and Bruce believe exceptions should be made for rape, incest, and the health of the pregnant person, they both want to defund Planned Parenthood. Bruce says states should decide whether abortion should be legal. I do believe that this is a, a state issue, um, and it needs to be done on the state level. And then from there, you know, on the federal level, we can defund Planned Parenthood. School choice, the idea that parents should be able to choose which school their child attends, is a staple of both Bratton's and Bruce's campaigns. Bruce does not want federal funding to schools tied to curriculum and testing requirements. And Bratton wants to dismantle the Department of Education altogether. And the federal government doesn't need to be uh, involved in education at all. Uh, not only are they going to get a great education, but a value system that backs up their values uh, while they get educated. Not one that's hostile to it and undermines uh, you know, people's beliefs. All four leading candidates favor tightening immigration restrictions. But in the candidate debate, Bruce said she would support some reforms, even as she supports shutting down the border. Immigration reform has been kicked uh, down the road by Congress after Congress. Farmers, ranchers, manufacturers, we need a reliable workforce. We need the migrant workforce that is used to doing those jobs because there are a lot of those jobs that Americans simply don't want to do. By contrast, Alfred wants to halt immigration altogether. He says the jobs filled by immigrants should be filled by American citizens. We've got to finish President Trump's wall. We must deport illegal aliens. We have enough jobs here in America for Americans to fill, and we need to stop paying people to stay at home and not work. Like Alfred, Bratton takes a hard line on immigration. As a state senator, he sponsored legislation to ban sanctuary cities and to penalize companies hiring undocumented workers. There's one stark division among the candidates. Burks and Bratton, both veterans, want to reinstate Trump's ban on transgender people in the military. Alfred and Bruce, on the other hand, said they're fine with transgender people in the military as long as their gender identity doesn't conflict with their service. Here's Burks. I have a few service members that I served with who are transgender. And at the time, they had uh, served in the biological gender presented in their born gender. And I think that's an appropriate way for transgender service members to serve. I'm not trying to put anybody back in a closet. But we also have to recognize that there are several physical and psychological conditions that disqualify somebody from serving in the military. One lingering issue in the race concerns the candidate's residency. In May, Missouri changed its congressional district map, leaving Burks and Alford living outside the 4th District. While Missouri law does not require a candidate to live in the district they represent, Bruce has called for those living outside the new boundaries to quit the race. But Burks, the race's leading fundraiser, says that was a ploy to get rid of the competition. I've been a resident of the district for 10 years until the insiders down in Jefferson City changed the line and tried to give themselves an advantage in this campaign. Within 24 hours, I'd moved my voter registration and my residency to a family property within the district. Whoever wins the GOP primary will be facing off against the lone Democrat in the Democratic primary, Jack Truman, who ran in the 2016 primary and lost. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Savannah Hawley. Whoever wins the GOP primary will almost certainly be headed to Congress since political forecasters rate the seat as solidly Republican.
That cool furniture or old toy that you found while vintage shopping could be hazardous. Things more than 40 years old may be coated with lead paint. The Midwest Newsroom's Niara Savage reports. At an antique store in downtown St. Charles, Missouri, shoppers are trickling in to snag deals on vintage toys, furniture, and dishes. Hi, hi. How are you? It's a scene repeated at thousands of stores and flea markets across the United States. 37-year-old Jennifer Popard found a vintage military-style trunk at a Michigan flea market in the 1990s. Then a teenager, she used it to store her CDs. She didn't know the green paint coating the trunk contained lead. Popard held onto the trunk for years. Around 2014, her child, Wallace, started using the trunk in a new way. That's when Popard noticed Wallace's motor skills were delayed. And had eating and feeding issues. Uh, at 18, 19 months old, was finally pulling the stand and would pull the stand at that trunk and turn around and run to me. And that is around when I noticed the numbers going up. The numbers Popard saw go up were Wallace's blood lead levels. Wallace got regular testing for lead through the Women, Infants, and Children's Program, or WIC. In 2014, Wallace's 18-month lead check came back at 5.3 micrograms per deciliter. That's higher than the Centers for Disease Control's blood lead reference value of 5 micrograms per deciliter at the time. The CDC lowered that threshold to 3.5 in October 2021. There is no safe children's blood lead level, but a 3.5 means a child's blood level is in the highest 2.5%. Popard used a home lead test to swab items in her home and identify the culprit. And I tested the trunk, and that was positive. Like, immediately, bright red on the swab, and I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> we found the source, we found a source. Dr. Candace fisher McLean is a professor with the University of Missouri Extension and coordinator for the National Healthy Homes Partnership. She says children are especially vulnerable to lead poisoning from vintage items around the house because kids put their hands in their mouths a lot. Lead has to be um, inhaled or ingested. And so um, children are certainly more susceptible to lead poisoning because their bodies are growing. It takes um, less lead to, to poison their bodies. McLean says it's best to err on the side of caution. As a good rule of thumb, don't purchase vintage toys for your children to play with. Um, just because our safety standards have, you know, become much more stringent over the years. And you just don't know what, what is in those vintage items. Antique items aren't the only lead hazards consumers face. New products can also contain the toxin. Campaign for Healthier Solutions is a nonprofit organization aimed at reducing the amount of toxic chemicals like lead and other heavy metals in items from dollar stores. Its 2022 product screening report found that more than half of the 100 items purchased at discount stores contain toxic chemicals, including lead. Unlike antique and secondhand items, new items can't contain lead-based paint because of federal regulations. But the organization's national coordinator, Jose Bravo, says that's not enough. Most often than not, people would say, well, yeah, you know, the EPA or the Food and Drug Administration or somebody is safeguarding our health when it comes to that. That's not the reality. <laughs> lead is still allowed in plastics, according to the CDC. Campaign for Healthier Solutions wants stores to demand that manufacturers produce products without lead. Lead is such an easy lift for stores or, or retailers to go upstream to their suppliers and say, guess what? 
No lead is safe lead, right? These days, mom Jennifer Popard avoids vintage items and feels safer using products made after the 1990s. And she's also cautious about new products that might contain lead. Reporting with Samantha Horton, I'm Niara Savage for the Midwest Newsroom. This story comes to us from a collaboration between the Missouri Independent and the Midwest Newsroom on lead levels in children. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Peggy Lowe, filling in for Nomino Giadine. This podcast was produced by Byron Love and Trevor Grandin and edited by Gabe Rosenberg. Need more election news from Kansas and Missouri? Go to kcur.org, where you can also find our voters' guides. If you like Kansas City Today, please share us on your social media or leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening, and have a good weekend. Kansas City Today keeps our communities informed. So does KCUR's daily news email, The Early Bird. It delivers the top headlines of the day right to your inbox every weekday at 6 a.m. You can subscribe at kcur.org slash early bird.